Welcome to Travel Talk with T. In this time of disconnection, we at PredictX want to stay as connected as possible. That is why we are inviting key innovators from the business travel industry to have virtual tea with us and share what they've been up to while the travel industry recovers. This week, we are discussing data. And what better way to discuss data than to speak to the amazing powerhouse of a woman, Lori Reiches, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of the Airline Reporting Corporation, or ARC for short. Come the end of the year, she will succeed Mike Primo as ARC CEO. ARC has the world's largest airline database. They provide the travel industry and the data geeks like myself much needed market intel. Over the past couple years, they've been focused on reinventing themselves for the future. And I cannot wait to hear more about this from Lori, as well as our insights on our path to recovery. Hi, Lori. It's so great to have you join our travel tea time. And as we have had tea so many times together as friends. So I have to start off with what are you drinking? And also, I have to see your choice of coffee or tea cups, because I always say it says a lot about a person. So start us off with what, you, what is your drink of choice and show us your cup. So I'm definitely a coffee gal. And um, today I'm drinking this, iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, I'm here in our office and it's 95 degrees in Virginia and then iced coffee in the afternoon is my special go-to. Well, as you're a close friend, um, I brought a special teacup for you. And that is, when I was growing up, I was addicted to honey buns. Absolutely addicted. I had to have it every single morning for breakfast. And so my mother nicknamed me Honey Bun or Honey Bunny. And then a couple months ago, I was out shopping and I found this teacup that says Honey Bunny. Oh, that's cute. Well, let's talk about your amazing career. As you know, I have been in awe of it since the day I met you. And now that you have been named CEO to replace Mike Primo, who's retiring at the end of the year, the first female CEO for ARC. But tell us about your journey to this role. Um, in addition to being at ARC, I, I know that you worked on the agency side. And before that, you had a short stint at American Airlines. But tell us about your your journey? Well, I, I sort of fell into the industry. It wasn't, um, I can't claim I had a master plan, uh, but I did go to work for American Airlines uh, as a pretty young single parent and, um, you know, spent about a year there and really got the gift of learning Sabre. And at the time, you know, I didn't realize that was going to be the key to, it's been a pretty amazing um, career in terms of the opportunities that I've had. But anyway, I, I went from um, American to the agency side, worked in the corporate agency uh, part of the industry for almost 20 years, uh, mostly at Sato Travel that became uh, Navigant towards the end of uh, my time there, and then went to, the, uh, to ARC, to Airlines Reporting Corporation. I've been here for about 15 years. I have been so fortunate to have come into an industry where, you know, you didn't have to have a four-year degree to get lots of opportunities. If you, you know, were passionate about customers and service and uh, liked solving problems and really focused on improving operations, there was plenty of upward mobility uh, and opportunities for me. So 
um, super grateful for that because that's not always the case, I think, in other industries. Um, but my journey has been really from the operations on up and always with a real close connection to the customer, to marketing, to products, sales, and those areas. So it's been, it's been, it's been really a ride. This last year or this year has been, you know, unprecedented for all of us, but, um, you know, I feel like all of the experiences that I've had up till this year have really helped me to work with our team to navigate through these last few really challenging months. So, as you know, our industry is facing unprecedented times and the number of our friends and colleagues on the industry who have been impacted through furloughs and layoffs is just, again, significant. What advice would you give those of our industry friends that are out there looking? What advice, career advice, would you give them? Uh, first of all, I, you know, my um, heart is just hurting for, as you said, so many colleagues. Every day um, I'm in a conversation with somebody at an agency who is losing their job or fearful of losing their job. Uh, every day I talk to people at the airlines who are in the same situation, um, people taking early retirements. It's very, it's just extraordinary, the human toll of what's been happening in our industry. And so I don't want advice to be um, trite, you know, given the amount of the catastrophe in terms of um, the job loss. So what comes most to mind is, um, and this is the kind of advice I have been giving um, in some conversations, is for some, depending on someone's background and skills, you know, I've encouraged them to look outside our industry. It breaks my heart to do that, but um, particularly when I'm talking to folks that are a little bit younger um, in their career, earlier in their career, I'm like, you know, Cass, you have transferable skills. Let's talk about what skills you have that are transferable because we're, we're sitting here in Northern Virginia, we're in a hot job market. Um, so there are um, plenty of opportunities. In fact, we are losing people um, to other industries from ARC, and I'm sure it's happening in, in you know, in other sectors of our industry as well. Um, for those that are really committed to this industry and are looking for a new opportunity, then it's it's casting your net wider within the industry, like just reading everything that you can about um, where there are green shoots, you know, of recovery. Be prepared to think new about your skills and how they can apply to some shifts in the industry. And I think all of us believe travel will come back. But I think um, many of us also think it's going to look different. And so, you know, opening your eyes to that and networking like you've never networked before. Uh, you know, I always tell people about your networking group. Um, if they are interested in that, you know that I'm introducing them into your, into your amazing group of um, colleagues who are supporting each other and sharing opportunities. So that's, that's what I've been doing. It's so I try to I try to make it appropriate to the person and, and kind of where I think they're at and what they may be willing to consider. That's great. So as you know, um, we at PredictX are data experts and we aggregate data from all different sources. So 
we are enhanced experts to all, all aspects of the industry when it comes to data. So ARC, of course, is always on our radar, the world's largest airline database, one certainly used by many um, to evaluate current markets and other trends that are occurring in that space. So it's really great that we're able to catch up with you today. But interesting enough, I was having a chat with some folks on that networking call that you referenced and you know, talking about ARC and the role it played. And they said, oh my gosh, no, they're just a refund processing and debit memo company. And I go, no, they are not your mother's ARC, <laughs> not at all, you know, out there. So for those that don't know all the incredible things about ARC, can you tell us a little bit more about what ARC does? Absolutely. Um, I would argue that actually this year with COVID, being a refund processing company <laughs> has been a pretty, uh, a pretty taxing activity. And I could um, just share with, with you uh, the fact that when the pandemic really hit our, hit our industry and we saw sales just drop you know, a cliff off the cliff and the refund processes started to generate, the whole settlement system became upside down. You know, normally in normal times, you know, we're processing six, 7% of the transactions that we process would be a refund. Everything else is a sale. So there was always plenty of cash coming in through the sales process to net out the refunds and get the money back to the consumer um, via the agency. And all was, you know, sunshine and roses. But when there's no sales and you're, we're facing literally hundreds of millions of dollars of refunds every week to process, we had to turn around and start um, asking the airlines to wire us money and, and large sums of money, which they'd never had to do before. So um, mm -hmm. when, when, and I'm happy to report like just last week, we actually processed, um, we hit a milestone of $1 billion, $1 billion in refunds processed this year. Um, and oh, more than half of that we had to go get from the airlines wired to us so that we could um, settle with the agencies. And we did so every refund that was submitted to the dollar was processed and funded. And uh, we're really proud of that. So when someone says you're just a refund company, I would say like this year, we kind of, it was a fairly, <laughs> uh, a fairly heroic um, set of activities. Um, and we're proud of that because it's the integrity of the entire system. Right. Um, so, but in addition to that, uh, and that is our core business, processing airline ticket sales and refunds. Um, we've had a, a very robust data business for at least a decade, and it probably started about 15 years ago. Um, we have, about 10 years ago, we did, uh, we entered uh, to a joint agreement with IATA. So we would now could have our, offer our customers global data, uh, worldwide global data. We have agency processed uh, sales data worldwide. In addition, we have uh, about 100 airlines that participate by contributing their direct sales to us as well. So we have really the most comprehensive view of airline ticketing data in the world. And we produce all kinds of products and services from that data. So that's been a something that I'm still kind of I'm surprised that people don't know about us. So I'm, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to share that, that, uh, that news, if that's news to people. Um, obviously somebody on your call didn't know that. Um, and it also, just last year, we uh, created a third line of business. Uh, we call it Omnichannel Retailing Solutions, and we made investments in three different companies. We invested in a company that's 
working with blockchain and the payment and um, it's not really reporting because with blockchain means you have shared transparency of data for all parties. So it's a payment and um, data sharing application on blockchain. The company's called BlockSky, we invested in them. We also invested in Traxo, which many corporate buyers are familiar with, uh, who provide um, transparency and itinerary data for direct bookings, which is really interesting to us. And um, we took a majority interest in new travel which is a technology provider to airlines and they offer kind of online enhancements to airline websites to enable corporate bookings. So um, we're a whole lot more than a refund and a debit memo processing company at this point. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you remind me a lot of the credit card industry. You know, they started off being a process transaction turning to financial and evolving to a data company. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the world's largest airline database, and who's a great source of all airline information, it's my go-to. Uh, it has been for some time. So what have been your top three focused areas in the last three months? I know you certainly mentioned the impact of the significant amount of refunds, but mm -hmm. what are some other areas of focus for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, our three primary areas, one included protecting our customers' money. And so that was the story that I just told earlier about um, really having to process all the refunds and uh, change the settlement cycle in order to uh, accommodate the new requirements. You know, we're not a bank, we're a clearinghouse. You can't process money you don't have. So that was, you know, number one, that's really, and that in, in essence is taking care of our shareholders as well. Um, and secondly, has been protecting our people. We've worked really hard to, um, we've had to make reductions in staff, but we offered for the first time a voluntary early retirement program. So we've been spending a lot of time on making sure that we take care of our people. And, and one of the decisions that we made pretty early on was with the exception of executives who did take a pay cut, that we would protect the salary of our employees. And we debated, you know, do we, does everybody take a reduction in pay in order to save more jobs or do we um, make other decisions in order to protect the pay and be competitive um, with our talent and the compensation? And we chose that because we are, while we are in the travel industry, we are a technology and data company. We don't compete for talent within the industry so much, although we have some really smart people that we've hired from the industry who are invaluable in terms of the insights that they give us about our customers. But the vast majority of employees at ARC um, come from the financial services field or, the, or, or various technology disciplines. And so in order to retain that talent, we had to make, uh, we took those decisions to protect our people. So that was number two. You know, and, and number three has been to complete our technology transformation. So we did start um, probably about three years ago, completely overhauling our technology stack. And we've completed the work for our data business, but we're still in the middle of rewriting the platforms for settlement. And we did take the decision to continue to fund that work uh, because we think it's going to be so important. When this industry starts to pull out of the bottom and recover, the demands for um, better capabilities around and, and options and flexibility when it comes to our settlement business is only going to be greater. We had to do so many kludgy things behind the scenes to deal with all that upside down refund process. Um, we don't want to ever have to do that again. We want to be able to do that in an automated um, 
much more efficient way for the industry. So completing our transformation activity was really our third guiding principle as we've been navigating you know, the financial challenges of COVID. So as you know, we look at our consolidated group of customers and how they're trending, you know, from demand to behavioral to um, everything, rate, et cetera, you know, holistically. So we look at air, we look at all the categories. But as we look at the holistic view that you have of, from ARC and see that according to your report as of April, it's down, demand's down 92%. Tell us a little bit more about that and other recent developments that you're seeing in the, in the data. Sure. I mean, well, the good news is it's better than it was in April. We're not down 92%. Um, but we're still kind of floating around the bottom quartile. We're down about most weeks 75-ish over 2019 levels. Um, we have certainly seen some incremental small improvements in domestic travel. I mean, internet, this is not news probably to most of your um, audience that domestic travel is where we are seeing the earliest green shoots of recovery and leisure as opposed to corporate also being where we're seeing um, those green shoots um, with the online agencies doing a bit better than um, the more traditional TMC sector. You know, uh, roughly 60% of the volume through ARC is corporate uh, and that's, you know, large, large part of international and of course, corporate domestic and, you know, business travel is, is behind. Um, leisure travel in terms of recovery. Um, it's uh, definitely not a V-shaped <laughs> recovery. It's kind of looking like a, I keep saying it's not an L like Lori. It's like a long extended <laughs> U, I hope. So um, yeah, that's, that's probably the bigger insights. You know, capacity is out there. The airlines, I think, are doing a great job, um, you know, responding to the health concerns of the traveling public. You know, I think they, they've done just an amazing job. And I think they're trying, they're getting that word out. Um, but there's some head, there's definitely headwinds. And, uh, you know, we certainly see it in the numbers. You know, we were seeing incremental improvement. A, you know, May was better than April. June was better than May. It was slow and steady. You know, we, it's, we've kind of hit a plateau and July is a little worse than June. Tiny bit worse. And, you know, I think we all, Attribute that to uh, some of the breakouts of hotspots in parts of the U.S. that weren't hotspots back in May, and of course international. It's it's tough. You know, Americans can't fly a lot of places, and there's quarantines, and and there's a lot of uncertainty, and people are clearly um, you know uncomfortable making longer term plans. Now that's something that the data does show, is you know in a typical year in 2019. You know, advanced purchase was about 33 days, typical average advanced purchase. Now it's about 20 days. Um, so that tells you that people are um, not as willing to kind of plan out in advance. They're making a decision to travel shorter in and, um, you know, we're seeing, seeing that in the data. So the other thing is, you know, as, as you had mentioned a little bit earlier, is there was a lot of complexities about the cancellation of tickets. Mm -hmm. And airlines had different rules and those rules were changing rapidly, especially when you talk about a global world that we live in and that we travel in. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that we did at Predict actually, we actually developed an entire new module to support this because yeah. we had 360 view. 
because we were receiving TMC, GDS, credit card, expense data, we could follow it all the way through for our customers. But it showed you there was a need out in the marketplace because of the complexities. And interestingly enough, our source for what the rules were, were ARC. Mm-hmm. Found that it was the most reliable source of all things about managing through that complexity. So could you elaborate a little bit more about you know, sure. what ARC was doing around that? Because it really was our go-to and really helped us to better service our customers. Yeah, happy to. You know, we ha- we have a, a group of customers that we call our Travel Executive Council. It's um, senior people from the top 25 agencies. And we met with them, you know, early in the crisis and, you know, asked them, what can we do to help? And, and they were talking about this just nightmare of trying to navigate these refund policies that were understandably, you know, extremely fluid. And um, so, you know, we, we thought, well, that's something that we can do. So we worked with the airlines and put together on a, a web page that offered um, all the information about, we have, there's 230 some airlines participating in ARC and they each have their own refund policies, their own exchange policies. Over time, they often um, wanted to start to extend their validity dates. Typically, you know, a ticket, an airline ticket used to be pretty uniformly valid for, you know, 13 months, the exchange value of that ticket. But with this crisis, you know, airlines were, some airlines were saying, hey, we want to extend, we want to extend that validity date, allow people more time to reuse those funds. So we put the webpage together that um, really just made it easy for an agency or anyone interested in the topic to see for every airline, what was their policy? Were they participating in the GDS for refunds or not? Because for an agency, that's a, you know, if if you can't refund in the GDS, then you got to do it directly with the airlines. That's a big exception process, right? And we spent a lot of time and energy trying to talk airlines into not leaving the GDS because it's just so much more efficient for the for the agency and the, the data stays whole for them. But um, some still chose to do um, refunds outside of the GDS. Some left the GDS and came back because they found they found themselves that it was easier to, to keep it in there. But anyways, a very moving situation. We also created links for um, to the policies, to the actual detailed policies on the airline website. So it's really just a was a, a source to a go-to place that would take you to wherever you needed to be. Um, turned out to be really um, like the most popular part of our website. <laughs> um, second or first is that, and second was the new those the the free data that we did with BCG, the analysis, the trip portal that you mentioned earlier. Um, I would add, IATA also did a real service to a, a lot of. Um, we have a lot of agencies in common, of course, multinational agencies and their and their own regional agencies, because a lot of airlines, especially outside of the U.S., issued vouchers instead of refunds, and so there's a whole set of rules around vouchers. So they did a similar, we did one for refunds um, policies, and they did one for vouchers. So between the two sources, I think um, it was it was you know a small thing, but it was I think helpful to the industry. So. As the corporate buyers and the airlines take this journey together, mm-hmm. which is unprecedented, we don't have a rule book for it. We've never mm-hmm. done this before. Uh, what advice would you give both of them as they enter this journey of trying to figure this out together? I, I think it's um, largely what I just described. You know, travel experience first. Mm-hmm. Uh, commu- flexibility 
you know, Uber, Uber levels of communication about, I mean, again, I think the airlines have done amazing work to make, um, to deal with any concerns about health and safety on aircraft, making sure that that information is available. And, and, and again, I, I'd emphasize the flexibility. Um, I, our industry has done, I think everything within our power to address the concerns of COVID with air travel. Um, our, the, the challenges that we face is many things are out of our control. You know, and I would, my biggest concern is we're not behaving as the United States of America, we're, we're behaving as separate states of America. And, and when I start to read, like just today, um, there's a DC issued a, a quarantine rule. If you come from certain hotspot states, you have to quarantine for 14 days. Now, when we saw that internationally, I thought, well, that's a deal breaker. You know, who's going to travel under those conditions? It's certainly going to make it more difficult. And when I'm starting to now we're starting to see this in the U.S., you know, this state won't let this people in from this state. That worries me a lot. And what can we do about that as an industry? You know, I think we have to use our voices and get, try to get to the political leader political leaders to describe the impact this is having on us, but it's not something that we directly control. So that said, knowing that we're in this really fluid, fluid environment, what we can do is make sure we've got high touch service, travel centric policies, with, you know, that include things like you know, lots of flexibility and communication. The TMCs certainly are challenged just like everyone else. You know, they had a transaction model um, that has impacted them significantly, along with some of the other challenges that all the other verticals faced. What advice, um, you know, would you give them moving forward as they continue to face those similar challenges and others that we haven't even seen yet? Yeah, I think one of the roles that TMC can play, which is really their traditional role, is is a is a connector from the corporate buyer to the supplier to the in this in my world in the airline you know, ensuring that good communications flowing that people are partnering together understand the needs of the buyer understand the needs of the airline um, the capabilities that are available um, to support the traveler uh, you know, of course that TMC is in a position to provide you know all the most detailed services to navigate what's really a very challenging uh, environment right now. You know, the TMC's strength has always been um, the service that they can provide and the uh, connection that they can make between travelers or buyers and the suppliers. And it's even more in demand now. And it's less automated. Things have changed so are so fluid and changing that there's a, a it's a challenging place to to be but it's a real value that the tmcs can provide as we start to get people comfortable with travel again and, and start this recovery really going so i don't know if you remember pre-covid <laughs> i do seems like a long time ago long time ago but um i know that um arc was you know one of the foundational partners in NDC. And, and interesting because at PredictX, uh, we support all models. And as a matter of fact, we help our customers stay nimble. So no matter what their model is or what they support, strategy they support, we can help, you know, in centralizing their data. So, but can you give us an update on, 
on mm -hmm. NTC and what's been progressing because I know it has um, mm -hmm. in spite of COVID, but maybe an update on that. You know, NDC remains an important strategy for a number of airlines, GDSs, and agents. We, as we were forming our uh, COVID crisis cost-cutting plans, you know, we certainly talked to all of our customers, what's still important to you, what are you prioritizing, and we did hear from a number of airlines and agencies and GDSs that they were continuing to invest in NDC capabilities, and it was, it remained, you know, a vital strategy. For others, not so much. So it really did depend on, um, you know, kind of where they were at. Some said this is still really important to us, but we're not funding it right now, or we're funding it at, you know, half the pace. But the promise of NDC, which is to enable airlines to make their products and services available in whatever channel that the customer wants to shop in, in the case of the indirect channel through the TMC and the with or without the GDS, but often with the GDS, that's still really important and we're a believer in it. We still have um, airlines who are testing with us, have not stopped their, their work with us on NDC. Yeah, so as we come out of, come out of this trough and start to you know, move towards recovery, I expect those that had to sideline their NDC activities will be back in, in the game and those that have been going full steam will, will be that just much further ahead. Great to hear, great to hear. So what is next for ARC? For ARC, we, we're really bullish on this idea of omni-channel retailing. You know, we think travelers, uh, in particular corporate travelers, would embrace a world in which they can buy travel where they want to with their corporate policy, with their corporate discount, and that would mean either with their TMC or on an airline website um, that's fully enabled to support that, and that they would receive the services that they want um, when they need it. And that would mean that a TMC would have access to those bookings that were made directly on the airline website to service the bookings. So, you know, I'm a business traveler and plenty of times you know, I'm, I'm happy to go on an airline.com website because I know what I want to do. They know me. That's where I get all the, all the perks of my status and, and, and all of the products that I want. But there's other times that I'm going to uh, a meeting or I'm going on a complicated trip and I want and do use a travel agency. Right now, my servicing opportunities are dependent on where I bought the travel. And we believe that the future is a more hybrid you know, kind of third model where you have the option to buy through the TMC or on the airline.com website and get the servicing and the duty of care and the reporting and, you know, all the things that a corporate traveler needs and a corporate buyer needs to offer with their program um, in an omni-channel world. So we're really, really still very bullish on that. We're continuing to work with our partners that we invested in. There are active pilots underway. Um, even in the COVID environment to um, bring those capabilities, test them out, kind of shape them, build them to life. And, and that's, I think, a really important part of our future. Is there anything that I didn't ask you um, mm -hmm. or you didn't speak about that um, you'd like to talk about? Uh, I want to hear what you think about some of the questions that you asked me. Oh, what, Yeah, what would your... Um, 
advice be to the TMCs of the world and to the buyers and the airlines? Uh, I want to see what that looks like from uh, Maria's perspective or the Predictics perspective. Sure. With the TMCs, I think there's a lot of good lessons at this point, um, mm -hmm. you know, out there. One is, I think, reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, part of your cheese has been moved and, you know, reinvent yourself. There's a lot of great opportunity with complexities, with challenge comes opportunity mm -hmm. and innovation. So mm -hmm. an example of that is instead of the standard consulting that one does, you have to do different consulting. There's still need for experts out there into the corporate space. It's just different. Mm -hmm. uh, go away from a transactional model into a different model. Um, commercially, there's a lot of, you know, opportunity that still remains for experts for, to your point, people that do things efficiently and do it better. I think just reinvent. And there's a lot of great minds and great people that will be leading that charge. And I have no doubt they will get there um, out there. No doubt. Um, they serve a need, an important need. I think it just has to be modified. Mm -hmm with the um, all suppliers and not just airlines, with all suppliers and buyers. And you know, I've been on both sides of that equation um, and know both sides intimately. I'd say, you know, be as transparent as you can with each other. You know, um, we will win this together and we will come out as stronger together. Um, our industry um, is wounded, it is injured. Um, a lot of our great friends that are extremely talented that mm -hmm. um, have been displaced as a result of this. So the sooner we come together, the sooner they come back and uh, the, our, we can get it off life support and back to being an exceptional industry that others just fight to come work at. Um, but it's, it's, we've got to pull it together as a collective group and take down all barriers. Every barrier there is to come together united. Mm -hmm. You know, on that subject of together, we were just talking about that today in, a, in our um, executive team meeting, that there's never been a time when we needed our voices collectively as an industry more into the political arena as well. You know, we right. can't just can't sit back and say, well, you know, that's A4A's job or GBTA's job or asked us job, you know, we need to help those organizations because they do have, um, you know, a role, but we've got to, you know, collectively not only support each other in the industry, but demand that leadership in the country at whatever level, state and, and federal level, are doing the things that need to be done to help us get back up on our feet as fast as possible. I agree. And you get, you get this, and I think it very well said, is sometimes it's, it's a grassroots effort because mm -hmm. it is as much a local fight as mm -hmm. it is a state, as it is a federal, mm -hmm. um, in order to do what needs to be done in order to uh, improve the pace of recovery. It's mm -hmm. not that we're not going to recover, it's the pace. Right. And so anything we can do to expedite that in different initiatives, to your point, um, if it's too complex, people will back off. If it's this state has this requirement versus this one versus this, and inconsistency mm -hmm. leads mm -hmm. to complexities and, and um, some fear base. 
So the sooner that we get past that, um, getting support from that, along with vaccines being readily available and uh, broad-based testing that's immediate, you know, mm -hmm. that tells you in two seconds you have it or you don't, you know, all of those things. But that comes from that collective whole.